and scholars. Want to hear more? Follow us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, or check out slutsandscholars.com. This episode is sponsored by Maud, a company that offers a less gendered and updated sexual experience. They are inclusive, unisex, and care a lot about the quality of their products, which range from condoms to vibrators and organic lube. Maud is offering 15% off of their products to you listeners. Go to getmod.com, G-E-T-M-A-U-D-E, Com and enter the promo code S&S, that's S-A-N-D-S, as in sluts and scholars, to get a discount on these amazing products. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars, where we talk smart and fuck smarter. I'm Simone. And I'm Nicoletta. And this week, we welcome Mistress Justine Cross, who is a professional BDSM consultant and lifestyle dominatrix based in Los Angeles. She's the owner of both Dungeon East and Dungeon West, Los Angeles's premier dungeon studios. With over 10 years experience as a lifestyle dominatrix and BDSM consultant, Mistress Justine's expertise and creativity have been called on for dozens of print, radio, and video productions, including Janelle Monae's 2018 Make Me Feel video, the 2014 film (laughs) Bound, and various podcasts including Savage Love and now Sluts and Scholars. Uh, Internationally recognized and followed, she keeps a dynamic travel schedule, jealous, and has (laughs) consulted with clients, appeared in photo shoots, and overseen projects all around the world. She's been invited to be a guest speaker or teach classes on BDSM, safer sex practices, consent, and even more at awesome spaces and events like UCLA, at the LA LGBT Center, and the Women's Health 360 Conference. She has donated her time and talents in the service of organizations like LA Sex Workers Outreach Program and participates yearly in events benefiting LA Pride and the Keep Abreast Foundation. Extensively interviewed and profiled, Mistress Justine has appeared in Los Angeles Magazine and Playboy and been featured in Nylon, LA Weekly, Time Out Los Angeles, BuzzFeed, and Salon.com. As busy as she is, she's open to considering new projects like uh-huh. Sluts and Scholars, uh, appearances and clients, and always entertaining another opportunity to bring collaborators and audiences to their feet and her fans to their knees. Oh, yes. <laughs> we don't need to do anything else. I feel like the bio's enough, right? Hi. 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 Mistress Justine. (laughs) Hello. Thank you, ladies, for having me here. What was the most recent trip you took? I was like, I love this international travel consulting. It's very true. I am actually doing things internationally. Um, Yeah, the last trip I went to uh, actually was in France, um, and I went to Bordeaux and did extensive wine tours, and then also I was in the heart of Champagne doing extensive champagne tours. Oh, so dreamy. Um, yeah, and then before that, I was Wait, in with Jamaica. Wait, with a kink flavor or just for fun for you? Uh, just for fun for me. I was with a, a client and then a very good friend of mine. So it was that sounds so lovely amazing. time. Yeah. Wait, I just want to take, before we go into the interview, I want to take a cue from your super awesome consent video that I watched today. Oh, thank you. And <laughs> uh, Mistress Destine was always like, you should ask people what they want to be called and what their pronouns are before we start. So I'm just going to do that. So I want to be called Simone, and my pronouns are she, her. Um, I like to be called Nicoletta, and my pronouns are she, her. Awesome. Well, I, you know, like to be called, you know, the HBIC, but Justine yes. is fine for our purposes. HBIC. And she, her. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Wait, HBIC? Head bitch in charge, oh, bitch! Oh, I'm so sorry. Now I know. You've never heard HBIC? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. But now I know. Okay, so I, I already know the answer to this question, but I feel like— in looking you up, I wonder if a lot of our listeners might be curious about what is a dungeon. 
Um, so when they hear dungeon, I feel like there's a couple places that I think of, and it all kind of is called a dungeon. So one that I think of is like maybe a shared party space that has kink events. One is a place where you can go and hire um, submissives, dominance, switches. Um, and one is a place that you can rent out that just has kinky stuff. And also a damp place in the basement of a castle where you leave your prisoners. Right. <laughs> also that. <laughs> Yes, I think all of those are accurate descriptions of dungeons. Um, my particular dungeons are are not dark or damp. Um, basically, unless uh, you want them to be, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess you're, if you're in the never, shower, never, <laughs> never damp, but sometimes dark. Yeah, I guess so. If dark when you have a blindfold on. Um, yeah, both of my spaces, Dungeon East or Dungeon West, are private rental only facilities. So that means that there are uh, you know professionals using the space, but there's also lifestyle people there, and they're rented out for productions and overnights and hourly rentals, but there isn't a sitting staff there. So there isn't a commercial dungeon. It's open 24-7, but by appointment only. So you oh, have people What's our, What are lifestyle people? Lifestyle people would be people who are not exchanging money, so not professional services. So just like a couple coming in or, you know, two couples and just using the, the space for their personal, intimate partner play. What kind of spaces? Like, what do you have? What do I have in What's my available? space? What's available? Everything. What do you want? It's everything that you've dreamed of and many things you haven't yet heard of. But both of my spaces are equipped with the standard BDSM dungeon equipment, like a St. Andrew's cross, which is that big X, a bondage bed, which is just a padded leather table with, it's a cage on the bottom and then also has attachment points all the way around, uh, a spanking bench, fairly self-explanatory. There's also a you know, full queen-size bed in both spaces, a full bathroom with shower. There's a kitchenette. Uh, so it's a very comfortable like overnight hotel experience with all the stuff in the dungeon. And then in addition to that, there is a fully stocked toy closet or several closets filled with things like gags and whips, paddles, masks, um, collars, uh, you know, rope, handcuffs, stuff like that. There's cleaning and safety supplies like sterile wipes, alcohol, condoms, gloves, all of that stuff. And then, of course, you can bring in all your own things as well. So you just show like. up and pay the fee and you have access to all of yes. that. Yes. And the thing that I think is so amazing <gasps> is that you now provide um, like kink B&B services. Mm -hmm. So people who are kinky, like you said, it's like a, like a hotel, but yeah. it has all of the things that you want to play with. How many rooms are there? Both spaces are just an open floor plan studio. So that's the other thing that's different about mine is that when you run for me, you always have exclusive access to the entire space. So you're not And it's all inclusive, it. yeah, of everything that's in there, except for parties, because like I'm not renting out my toys for parties. No. So people are bringing their own stuff, or like it's enough to just be in the space. Like I don't, you know, but yeah. So how do you keep um, stuff clean in between? Like I love the idea that you don't have to buy all of the stuff mm -hmm. and if you can't fit it in your apartment or your house, you can just go mm -hmm. and use mm -hmm. it. But I'm like, is it, is it sanitary? Like how do we mm -hmm. make sure everything is clean? Yeah, there are very explicit cleaning instructions posted everywhere in the space, um, as well as I, you know, I have several people coming in a few times a week to make sure everything, like the bathrooms and everything is like restocked and clean in that way. And then if you're a bad person and you leave my space a mess, you're forbidden to come back. And usually, you know, the fear of Justine is far greater than the fear of God. And I have very <laughs> few people fucking up and, you know, not, you know, cleaning things or not doing things properly. But every once in a while, there's like a bad egg and like they get tossed. So, but, I mean, yeah. the spaces you've created um, are so beautiful and amazing Thank and they you. have so many things. And I wonder like... Do you accept anyone to come mm. stay? 
or is it more of like a referral process of people you trust? Because I would, will you let Nicoletta stay? I'm going to let me stay. No, no, but like if you have a random person getting a hold of you and like you're not sure if they're going to take care of your stuff or clean or be in the space, like how do you ensure the integrity of, of your stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good question. It's like most of the people who are finding me are either, I mean, they're repeat clientele or they've found me through, a you know, from a friend or referrals or something like that. But basically they have to make it through a five-minute conversation with me. <laughs> and I know that sounds like, you know, if you're not a sex worker, you don't know what that means. But it's like, in the sense that it's like when you were talking to clients, like, you know, within the first five minutes, like, yay or nay. And totally. it's like, you know, and it's like... I know within uh, the first text of how they reach out it, to me, it, if I'm going to even consider that. Exactly. So it's like, you know, you have like a really good bullshit meter and it's like, you know if it's going to go well. And if anyone bothers me at all, I'm like, you know what? I can't do this. And also it's like a lot of people are coming, you know, when when they see the space, like, you know, I'm attracting a certain kind of clientele that wants to come to this like beautiful place and experience. And like most people are coming at it from one of two Mm -hmm. levels. Either they're very experienced, so they know how to treat your stuff and they don't want to fuck it up. Or they're extremely not experienced and they don't want to fuck up your stuff. Mm -hmm. So they're coming at it from one of those two places. And more often than not, people are always like following up with me and saying, I just want to make sure that I did everything right. Because like, of course, usually someone in the scenario is very submissive. (laughs) (laughs) So they want to make sure you're happy. Yeah. So it's like someone's (laughs) contacting me and just saying like, I just really want to make sure that everything was okay. And please let me know if anything was amiss. And I want to make sure. And, you know, I don't know if they like want me to dominate them at that point. (laughs) Uh But I'm always like, oh, no, everything was totally fine. Or, you know, because it's like... The paddle was off by a millimeter. you know. (laughs) Bad girl. Yeah, like I will find people or something if if they don't do something right. Or I'm like, you just can't come back. And like, I have like a short list of people that that's happened to. What kind of things have people done? Just left it in a bad way? Or just what's like a really big faux pas that people Um, might make that you wouldn't expect? Yeah, well, just sometimes I tell people, it's like, look, this isn't a hotel. This is more like an Airbnb where it's like, you are not allowed to like, you have to clean up everything and leave it the way that you found it or better. You can't just like leave towels or toys everywhere. Like that's not the way the space is. And I'm like, if that's what you want to do, then you have to give me an additional $100 and let me know so I can clean it up. And most people are like, oh, okay. Like I think just giving everyone the additional, Mm. you know, uh, instruction to make sure that it's perfectly clean before they leave, then they understand. I'm like this, you know, turn off lights, stuff like that. But it's honestly like this happens like... (laughs) a couple of times a year. Got like it. it's really considering the high volume, it's like very rare. So it that sounds like you've done a happening. good job of yeah, not good inviting job people. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. high is the volume? Like is it always and is it hard to get in? Um it depends. Usually Friday and Saturday nights are more booked because that's you know Duh. the weekend. Um but it, it date nights, sex yeah, night. Yeah, it, it's like pretty random in terms of bookings, but it, it generally is booked every day. It's hard to get same day bookings there because it tends to be booked already. Um, usually I find that like on holiday weekends, all of a sudden, like people remember at the last minute, wait, I don't have to be anywhere on Monday. And then they're like, ah, I need to get in there on the Sunday or that weekend or something, you know? So it's like a scramble, but Hmm. you know, I just recommend like the more notice, the better, but it's same day is hard. Was this your childhood dream to own and operate two dungeons? (laughs) Oddly, no. Um, yeah, (laughs) just no, that was never my dream. I sort of like, you know, it was on the way to the grocery store one day and this all happened. Um, yeah, I actually have a background in education and um, degrees in literature and psychology. And I thought I would always go back to higher education for either, you know, writing or English, um, not so much for psychology. Um, 
but and I do something like that. But I imagine those have helped inform your work just in being creative and how you communicate with clients. Um, it it definitely makes me more analytical, and you know, I can read an article better and understands like studies better and stuff like that. Um, but it's not, um, you know, it's not like there's a, you know, a course in school that's like, you know, BDSM and like thing like fetishes are learned about in just sort of like a diagnostic kind of way, not like a real like caring sort of client kind of way um, mm. in terms of like what you're going to do with them or, or how to treat people with fetishes. So, yeah. So what so, kept you in this field? Or how did you how did you get to this point? Like, so you said it happened at the grocery store. You know, yeah, it's just like a joke. Well, <laughs> so because you were it's just already, like so, so random. So you, you started know. Do, you started doming mm-hmm. professionally, and then you expanded your empire. Yeah, basically. Yes, my empire. That's exactly right. Um, yeah, it's sort of like a. I kind of joke about it. It was sort of like a Breaking Bad situation, but with a lot less math because it was just like <laughs> just I, less, not none. Just less. yeah, just less math. <laughs> a lot less math. Not my math. Other people's math. But um, <laughs> you know, uh, there can never be less math. There needs to be a lot less math. Anyway, but um, basically, I started as um, in a commercial space, um, working as a dom, and you know, I knew other product. Like, I'm sorry, I was on the East Coast originally. I moved out here, started working at a commercial space. I had known other doms. I had known it was something I wanted to get into. Like when I was in high school, my friends literally gave me this book. I was a teenage dominatrix by Shauna Kenny. And they're like, this is really good. You should do this. I haven't this heard of you. that book. That sounds really? awesome. I know. It's I'm gonna actually add it to a really right good now. book. It was like before like a lot of like sex memoir came out. And I think it's a really good book, but it's a lot about um, class and like being working class and like trying to get out of that and, and doing these things like that. So very interesting. Mm. She did other writing things and worked for like Ellie Weekly and stuff. I'm not sure she's up to now, but very good short book, easy, quick read, but very fun. Um, so yeah, I started working as a dom in a commercial space and then realizing there's just very uh, various limits that the commercial house puts on you. It's like they, they're they setting your own rates. Like you can't advertise the way that you want. Like you don't have access to, you know, you're only working certain shifts of when the space is open. So it's not like you can do really early or really late appointments. There's certain things you can't do at the house. So then I did. Um, I became independent, so I could book all my own clients and set my own rates and do things like that. Um, and then I realized that I was renting out so much space at other dungeons that I was like essentially paying someone's mortgage, you know. And I'm like, I need my own space. Wow. So then I got my own space um, with a partner. And then um, you know, partnerships sometimes do not work out. That did not work out. So I moved Dungeon West to where its current location is. Um, and was always having other people rent for me. So other pro doms, same thing that I'm doing now, all of that. Then that space was getting so booked that I realized I didn't have a space for my own sessions anymore. <laughs> and, you know, it was just getting really bad. So then I decided I needed another space. So that's why I opened Dungeon East across town and had that space. And now, you know, I'm still having like the same, you know, problem of like not having a space sometime for my own bookings or sessions because like both spaces are are both pretty booked. So it just kind of happened in this way where it's like I could, instead of staying treading water or like losing money, I just kept doubling down and increasing my money and increasing my scope of what I wanted to do. So I did not expect to go into business, but I ended up being pretty good at it because I... I'm smart, I'm a bitch, I want things the way that I want them and like I don't accept anything less and I just wanted to keep going up and keep moving up <sighs> in these ways and doing doing things better and there weren't there weren't quite spaces uh, when I started the way that my spaces are now um, and the way that I I ran things like a business as opposed to just something in the sex industry where it's like it was very easy years ago like 
BDSM was like very kind of new and everyone like wanted it and you didn't really have to try very hard <laughs> to like make money or like make huh. it happen. And now it's like, oh. More competitive. These, yeah, it's definitely more competitive. It's just the industry's changed a lot. What so. were some of the downsides to working at like a house dungeon? Um, not a house dungeon. What did you call a it? Commercial, a commercial space. A commercial yeah, space. A house dungeon, yeah. So, so that would be like if you live in the LA area, that would be something like the Dominion where there are people already on staff and you can go in and work with them. Like it's not a just one person owned space. Mm, correct. Um, yes. Well, basically, um, you, are con- you are technically an independent contractor when you work there. However, you are not actually because someone else is setting your own rates. Um, there are certain chores that you have to perform. You don't make money. Um, you have to sit there, but if you don't make money, um, you know you don't get an hourly wage on top of that. Huh. Um, you can't run your own ads. Uh, there are certain things that you can't do um, that they won't allow you to do. Um, like in the it, scenes? Yeah, like in the scenes. Um, you like know, what? Mm, like strap-on play was like a main one. Really? Or like any... Oh, because you can't penetrate. Any, yeah, like anything um, like hand job related, which I mean, that's like, I don't do anything that ends in job anyway. <laughs> you know, I have this <gasps> job, so I don't have to do jobs, which is totally <sighs> fine. But like, that's not something that's in my like repertoire anyway. Um, but it is for other people, and that's like totally fine. And if that's like working for either you as a dom or like other sex work and stuff, but that's like those are a few examples. And then also just in terms of um, clients, um, you know, the way that space operates is you can make appointments with people, but the appeal, and I certainly understand this, is like if you're a guy who only has like oh I only have like a half an hour, an hour and a half, I'm going to walk into a space where there's people just at the ready mm. whenever I walk in mm-hmm. versus building like a specific relationship with someone and having a specific client that is coming there just to see you. So now my clients are coming to me and they're seeing me because I'm me. They're not just walking into a space and looking at a wall and saying, a random uh, spank. yeah, is that person available? Yeah. You know, and that's sort of like where they are. And at what point were you able to start supporting yourself exclusively on doming? Like from the get-go? No, not from the get-go. It was always a part-time job for me because I had other full-time jobs. Like I worked as an executive assistant at various places and things like that. But then um, I just kept getting laid off for various reasons that had nothing to do with me and everything to do with like the SoCal economy just tanking and like every economy taking, I guess. Um, So after like my last full-time job, I was like, you know what? I've I keep getting laid off. Why don't I just, you know, collect my unemployment and take a like a couple of months to figure out what it is I really want to do and find something where I just don't keep getting laid off. So then when I started doing this full time, everything just exploded because like sex work makes you a lot of money. <laughs> and and like, it's never gonna go away. Yeah, it's never gonna go away. Totally. And you know, I was I'm very good at what I do and I was very popular and you know, so it just exploded and I was able to take more appointments and sessions that I wasn't able to do before when I had the full time job. Mm. So I was like, oh I can do more stuff. I have more flexibility. I can travel more. So then I started traveling for work and then I was like I am never going back, <laughs> you know. I am way happier. My mental health is way better. I'm making more money. Like, I'm having so much more fun. I'm happy with my work. I'm happy with my job. Like, this is where I want to stay and this is where I want to be. So it was like a much better experience and, and career. Well, it, it started as a job. Now it's like my career and my business in a way that wow. I wasn't expecting. And now you have the flexibility to run it like you want. Exactly. I wanted to go back to something you were talking about earlier, which is like what can happen in a session. Mm-hmm. And I know maybe each individual dom or submissive has their own rules of like what they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But because there is this gray area of like what constitutes quote unquote prostitution and let, that maybe you do consider yourself a sex worker mm-hmm. in this, mm-hmm. like 
what are the ethical and legal expectations of like what can happen um, in a scene? Yeah, um, I mean, if you're for, hiring someone, yeah, totally. I mean, for me, yeah, I definitely consider myself a sex worker. I don't, I wouldn't say that I'm. You know what is sex? You know I don't know that I'm having like sex with clients, but like two people in a room, one person comes. Like the what's not sex here? You know, um, yeah. So so for me, yeah, because there's such a broad definition of what is sex. But it's like you know, for for the fuzz, you know, for the legal concerns, you know, basically like you know anything you know that's a sexual touch, like can be considered like prostitution or like inappropriate conduct, whatever it's called. But it's like, in terms of BDSM, it's like uh, in California, at least, it's always operated in this gray area, you know, of not, no one's really like, you know, arresting doms for giving people spankings, even though that's certainly like a sexual touch or no one's like, um, you know, getting busted for like, you know, ball busting, even though it's like you're kicking someone in the balls. But, um, you know, things like, you know, strap on play because that's penetrative, like anything like hand job, foot job, that tends, blow job, whatever, that tends to be illegal. It's fascinating just hearing you say that. Sorry to interrupt. But what makes it illegal is if it is a part of the patriarchal heteronormative definition of sex. Exactly. If it's outside of that, Mm -hmm. then it's it's pretty okay. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, of course. It's like it's stupid, and then it's like, of it's course, this like, het sex, which is illegal, basically. But you're talking about in terms of like body parts, like if yeah. I, like a blowjob or like a hand job or something. It's yeah. like you know that kind of thing is like considered sex, and it's right. like, but you know, there's lots of, I, I don't know. Like I always say, like you know, you could have like full on, you know, penetrative, like you know, peen vagine sex, and like that doesn't really feel like sex. But then you could like hug someone, and you're like, whoa, I feel like I've totally yes. like had sex with or someone, or have an intense you know? like flogging session, and exactly, and that feels like sex. And or you feels know, better than sex. <laughs> yeah, or feels better than sex. And it's like I mentioned this to a friend of mine, and he's like, I've been r- hugging the wrong people, you know. But um, yeah, and it's also like who's getting punished for this? Like if you are getting arrested, it's like the the woman is getting of in course. trouble, not like the guy who's participating in this in the same way and actually in some ways more. But um, I mean, for me personally, the things that I don't do in a session are um, I don't sub or switch at all. Um, I am personally not naked. Um, and there's just, you know, other things that I don't do in terms of like, you know, I don't do certain kinds of like intense like uh, cutting or needle play or any like thing like brown showers, stuff like that. So Is brown yeah. shower pooping on yes. someone? I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Are you tired of seeing an outdated and gendered approach to the human sexual experience? Mod products aim to make sex better for all people. Built on inclusivity, simplicity, and quality, Mod is a modern and unisex essentials brand that encourages a happy and healthy sex life. Mod offers products such as their ultra-thin latex condoms, which are free of harmful chemicals, fragrances, and spermicide, their Shine Organic Lubricant, made with moisturizing organic materials and pH balanced, and their Shine Silicone Lubricant. They also have an amazing silicone massager that can go anywhere, and the charge lasts for one and a half hours. I've heard it's pretty strong for a pocket vibe. This awesome sponsor is offering 15% off to you listeners. Go to getmod.com, G-E-T-M-A-U-D-E.com, and enter the promo code S&S, that's S-A-N-D-S, as in Sluts and Scholars, to get a discount on these awesome products. What do you think is the, I don't know, the ethical thing that at least you run yourself by about sexual contact with clients? Because I found this to be interesting that, like, you know, some people feel like it's it's good and it can be a healing thing in a scene or in a session with someone you're paying while other folks maybe think that 
the work that you're doing, because sometimes it can get really intense and emotional and be healing, mm -hmm. can be negatively compromised when you include sex because mm -hmm. of the power dynamic. Yeah. It, it kind of depends on how much I know about the client, because um, generally the majority of people that are coming to see me are men, and they're coming to me with like a pretty basic fantasy that they want to enact. And you know, what is it? Well, it's just the various types of fantasies, but like you know, usually like foot fetish or corporal punishment. But it's like usually pretty like cut and dried. Here's my fantasy. This is what I want to do, and like I'm pretty good with that, and I'm you know done. But it's like mm -hmm. the more I know about a client, the more I can potentially know that maybe something else is going on. And sometimes like people come in and they're like, I really want to do this, but I'm having a really hard day. And it's like, okay, well, like let me try to like bring you back into like the fun time and you know most of the time we can get there and like sometimes you know we can't like I had an experience with a client who I knew was going through a really hard time and I have never felt uh, that I felt like I should call the session because I felt like I don't know if I'm actually helping this person I feel like I might be hurting them and like I feel like maybe this isn't okay and I took a pause and I said do you want to cry right now and they said yes. So then I actually started going harder until they cried. And then I stopped the scene. And then because I felt like we reached where we needed to get. And then I just like wrapped them in towels and then just held them. And then they just like, you know, had such a, an amazing release and then like fell asleep. And I just was like caring for them in that way. And it was like, I was really glad that I, I stuck through the session in a way that like sort of pushed my boundaries in a way um, a little bit, but then it came to a place where it was, it was the right push for both of us, and it was like this really amazing experience where we both came away. I'm getting chills, like you know, yeah, we both came like away. It was an awful yeah, it was, and it's like, but it was like we were able to go there because uh, for two reasons. One, I knew enough about that client, and that client trusted me enough to kind of go there with me. Um, but also that like I knew enough about myself that I felt like I could go there with that client and like push them and have that experience. But I was really like, I'm like two seconds away from calling this. I don't know if I should do this. I don't feel good about this. But I'm like, you know what? Let's let's do it this way. And it and it worked and it was a good good thing. So an amazing thing, not just a good thing, but really amazing. So yeah. Um, so you mentioned that a lot of your clients are men. Mm -hmm. um, and yet, at the same time, you're very out and queer. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, can you speak about that at all? Yeah. Um, well, I do get more female clients of late. But yeah, I mean, just I think the sex industry as a whole, they're mostly male patrons and mostly female uh, providers. Um, that's certainly changing a lot. Like, I'm seeing a lot more female clients and things happening and certainly, like, more, like, male providers or, like, uh, trans or gender queer providers, and that's happening. And that's really nice. But um, yeah, I've always identified as queer. The majority of my relationships are with women. Um, you know, I don't really see any like conflict. Most people don't. I know a lot of like queer and like lesbian sex workers who are only doing sex work with men, and that's like the extent of their relationship with them. So mm -hmm. um, you know, it's uh, it's sometimes a little bit harder for me to play with women because like I'm in some ways, I, well, not in some ways, but in a lot of ways. Even though my personal relationships are mostly with women, um, I play more with men. <laughs> so because I'm just because I'm just seeing more men as clients. So it's like you know. Why do you think I'm, that is? Do you think there's a stigma, or it's just like, like why more male clients? Because men should have to pay for everything. So. <laughs> 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 <You know? laughs> 
Um, well, I mean, I think it's like, you know, um, I think like one thing is like a lot, I won't, it doesn't occur to women to pay, to, to find a provider and yeah. to pay for a provider. It's not part of our, uh, like social norm. Like you don't really it's, see any media representations of women. No. You know, you, going after it, sex Exactly. Work, you don't. And even like, you know, I frequent Jumbos, a lovely, amazing <gasps> oh my place. God, I love yeah. Jumbos. So uh, I know. So you got to listen like, to our episode with Caroline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. From no, Jumbos. I have. I know her. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's like even when you're there, it's like you see women at the bar and like at the tip rail and they're not tipping because like they've oh. literally, they don't understand that they, they're, that they're actually supposed to tip. And like, how do you find out about these things? Well, in like male culture, your dad takes you, your brother takes you, some older coworker, and they sort of like give you either, like they literally tell you this is what you're supposed to do, or they can just kind of observe and see other people doing this. And it's like, women are not like, you know, seeing that or like having that experience or even knowing that this like exists. And it's like, I think in more ways, like men are sort of like encouraged to explore their fantasies or explore Mm -hmm. their sexuality that like, women aren't as much and mm-hmm. it's like you know um but then it's like you know it, i sort of see what happens to men on the other flip side of this is like yeah they're encouraged to like have their fantasies or they can't they're 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 given permission in ways to have their fantasies but not to actualize them with like a partner like you know it's like if a man is submissive like he's going to come to me before he talks to his wife about yeah, that for sure. and so that's like the flip side of that that like i also want to point out that that's like hypocritical and shitty too um and that sucks that there um, isn't space for men who are especially submissive men to express their needs yeah, exactly. And I think that's changing a lot. Or like, their emotions about it. Yeah, I think that's changing a lot based on the fact that I'm seeing a lot more clients now. I'm seeing a lot more clients come in um, as couples. I'm getting a lot more women on the other end of the phone. And it's not mm. just to book time with me. It's because they want to book time at the studio. Like whether it's they want to book time with me or book time at the studio or both. They're like, yeah, I really want to do this like for my partner. Like we want to do this together. And like that's really awesome. That's awesome. Seeing more women take agency in their fantasy and also like the pleasure of like like their partner, and that's really amazing to see as well. So I think for me, I've never hired a sex worker, but mm-hmm. I think for me, if I were to, I'd be very nervous about like mm-hmm. how how do I do it? Like, what do I say? Do I say this is my first time doing it? So I would love yes. if you could <laughs> if you could kind of walk us through it because I think I mean if I were listening to this podcast, I would be inspired. I mean, I am inspired right now. I am <laughs> listening to this podcast. Yeah, and so, I don't I don't want to make. Uh, female-bodied people out there feel like they can't ask or hire sex workers too. No, like, I know. I've, no, every, everyone I've should. I've hired a yeah. pro-male dom before. I know, and I'm a, so jealous. An easy process, though mm. I've come to feel that it's harder to find um, good ones <laughs> in the L.A. area yeah. that feel trustworthy. Yeah, I could probably give you a couple names after the show, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, male anyway. doms, I mean, that's kind of a separate, like— Side eye for me. I'm like, oh, yeah. Anyway, but okay. But so, um, yeah, okay, so, so we're hiring like a, so, someone. So, yeah. So, yeah, say hi. I've never done. Do you want new clients to say, I've never done this before? Or should they kind of have read up on how to do it and just kind of go by the book? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Yes. Um, part of my screening process is I ask, like, you know, how long have you been playing? When was the last time? Um, 
It is totally fine for me to see newbies. I welcome newbies all the time. You have to start somewhere. I encourage people to do like your sort of basic research of like, please read my website. Like, don't just look at my Instagram and be like, hot, okay, book her. You know, like, like that's, that's not going to so be. tempting. It is very tempting. Well, <laughs> and I'm sure I, that's how a lot I, of people start. Yeah, well, I have a feeling you've both looked at my Instagram and my website, so yeah, you know right. you're a good candidate. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, you want to do was your research. basic research. Yeah, research. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, it's your you know you want to have a night. I'm like, look, I want to make sure that I'm the person for you, and you're the person for me. And you know, there's I have a pretty long list. I'm a pretty um, experienced and like uh, a range player as a dom of things that I like to do. But you want to make sure that it's like it's a comfortable fit for both of us. It's like if you want someone who wants like extremely high protocol and serious bondage, like I'm probably not the person for you. Huh. You know, um, so that's important to know. What's um, high protocol? Things like things that you would probably be really into, actually. <laughs> 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 um, you know, uh, uh, there's. You don't it, even like, know me yet. Oh, okay. oh, I got your number. Um, so <laughs> it's like it would be things like you know, there's certain different like slave positions to be in, and people are varying to like positions. Like, okay, it's like slave position one or whatever. It's like things I don't even know about because like I'm not super into high protocol. Got it. You know, I'm really into being a bitch though. So it's like we could do a session that would be like really fun. But it would if you like were being looking a bitch, for, like saying like my my nails look bad or. Just like everything. Yes, your nails do look bad. I mean, Stop picking. I'm going. <laughs> I literally <laughs> getting my nails done <laughs> She's hiding her nails as we speak, right? <laughs> anyway, um, uh, yeah, things like that where it's like if you, you know, and uh, the other thing I say to people, it's like it's totally okay if you're new and you might not have an exact idea of what you want to do, but like I'll say, well, what are what are some things that you're fantasizing about? Like what made you contact me? Mm. You know, what about me interested you? Um, you know, yeah, okay, you just found me. You're like, oh, exciting. Oh, there's a lady. I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to, you know, okay, I, we get that. Okay, I'm I'm pretty. I get it. But it's like, what else about me or what, what about this experience was turning you on? It's totally okay if you've never even played before. You're just fantasizing about stuff. Or, you know, the other thing I say is I, I tell people, okay, we're just going to do like an omakase of like BDSM and we're going to try a bunch of different things and, you know, if we like I something, love that you use those we'll all <laughs> Chef's choice. Chef's yeah. Choice. Um, so we're gonna try a bunch of different things and see what you like. And basically, if you like something, we will continue doing that. And if you don't like doing something, then we will not do that. It's like I don't have a script that I do every single time for every single client. That's really boring and really pathetic and not fun. And I probably do something different every single session, which is you know that's intense. But it's like I don't Exhausting. have a set list because. Right the you know the person is different the every time different. the energy is different it's like you know different clients depending on what's going on with them like you know some people just kind of want the same thing every time and that's fine but like i'm doing something different almost every single time is that based typical on what's going of doms or because it seems I, like you'd have to be know. really <laughs> I mean, have to I pay attention so, to your client be creative and, and well, that, personalized yeah not yet more than just like personalized and making each person feel special that they're getting their own thing but i think so much of what you're saying, and I think of what is BDSM, is paying attention to your partner. Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, based on the fact that like I see clients who some of them have partners and their partner is not paying attention to right. them, I'm getting so business. So validating. And then, yeah, and then like sometimes I'm sorry, but like you know, just like any other service, there are people who are not good at being pro doms, and like they do have a script or they don't pay attention to what the client wants or they say, okay, you like these five things. Well, I'm just going to do whatever I want. It's like, well, that doesn't work. And it's like, you mm-hmm. know, it's sort of like funny where I think about like, you know, oh, like I think I'm doing really well because like, you know, 
know, I like fit into like, you know, typical beauty standards and I'm tall and I'm highly skilled and I have these amazing dungeons. It's like, no, kind of at the end of the day, like why I'm so popular is because a client tells me I want to do A, B, and C. I'm like, okay, great. We're going to do A, B, and C. You don't want to do X, Y, and Z. We will not do those things. And Mm. it sounds like overly simple and kind of silly, but based on like what other clients tell me of what happens in their experience with other prodoms or sessions that don't go so well, that's what happens. So unfortunately, I know it does happen, but I know obviously most people, if they're around for like a while, like they are good at what they do. Have you, know? you had to deal with people wanting more from you? Like for example, in, in therapy, maybe I'm the first space that is safe for someone where they do feel heard and listened to and validated. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine that sometimes you are that for people who aren't getting that in their relationships. So have you had issues of people who want more from you, who mm. want a, a relationship, who um, maybe cross boundaries inappropriately? Um, all the time. I understand. I'm, you know, like, yeah. it's like, I get it. And how do you, how do you deal with it? Well, I mean, I understand. And it's like, to be fair, sometimes like I meet a, some, someone in session that I'm like, wow, if I met you another way in another lifetime, like I would actually really like a relationship with you, but like, I can't, we can't do that, you know? Um, and it's, um, and I understand because like, I'm the first person or one person that they've connected in a way where it's like, not only am I doing their fantasy of being dominant and those things, they're like, oh, you're also smart and you have this business, like you're together. It's not just like I'm a one trick pony. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot for them to connect with me about. And I think all of those things are valid because they're not just like, you have this. But I mean, everyone knows, being that I'm very openly queer and into women, like takes care of 90% of that problem, you know? Um, So that's like really good. Um, You know, so I always fall back on that, but it's like, you know, the relationship is always very clear. It's like, I understand like why you want this. And like, I validate that. I'm like, you are valid for wanting these things and it's okay that you want that. And I'm totally flattered, but like my dance card is full and we cannot have a relationship really outside of this room. Um, you know, because sometimes it's like, you know, I had an experience with someone where um, I, you know, met someone at a play party, play party and I said, wow, like, they're really cool. Like, I would, another, you know, another day, another lifetime, I would really like to date them. And then, you know, you realize, like, in other conversations that I had with this person, like, they had, like, this whole fantasy about me and, like, had this whole, like, scenario happen in their mind where, like, we played together and they thought like they met my girlfriend and we were interrupted in a scene. And I was like, actually, none of that happened. You literally have never met my girlfriend. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then it's like, oh, okay. Like you had a whole thing going on about me that was like very real for you. But they really projected what they they wanted. They projected something that had nothing to do with me. And again, it was very real for that person, but that just wasn't reality. And I was like, oh, wow. Oh, missed that one. You know? <laughs> like, um, so how, how do you like, deal with feeling though? Like there may be missed opportunities for you. Like when you have met someone and you're like, oh, I wish they weren't a client and we could date. Like, do you Ooh. do you end the client relationship and take some time and date them, or do you say like it's a for sure no go? Um, I mean, to be fair, there are a couple people that I have met that like were clients that I did have end up having a relationship with, and one one ended like you know, not very well was obviously like, you know, using me kind of situation. And another person was, um, you know, it did, we did have a relationship for several months and it didn't work for reasons that just had to do with like time and distance. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but for the most part, like, it's just not, it's not something I advise doing, but at the same time, it's like, you meet people where you meet them. Like, what are you going to do? It's like, you're at work most of the time. That's probably where you're going to meet people. And it's Mm -hmm. not like, 
it's not like this is just like, you know, some office space nine to five, like pencil pushing thing. Here's a place where two people are meeting where it's like, And sharing well, their deep yeah, fantasies. Yeah, deep fantasies. Like yeah. there's going to be transference and like, you know, that, that kind of thing happening. Um, but it's just, in recent years, it just, it's come up and it's like, I've always been like, uh, you know, someone's like wanting more and I'm like, this is really hard. I'm really attracted to you too, especially because now I'm getting more female clients and I'm oh. like, uh, you know, and that's like harder, you know, because it's like male, it's like very easy to have these like limits, but like with women, you're like, oh, but you're so you know, <laughs> I know you're so soft, you're so pretty, <laughs> like you're really hot and like, oh, and, and, I, and I feel that way about male clients too. Like I, you know, I wouldn't just say I'm into women, but it's like, for the most part, as like we all know, it's like not a good idea to date your clients. Like because there's always like a power play that like you can't unwind, you know. Mm. Um, you can't, they're always gonna have met you in this certain way. And it's like what I say or is that they had some power over you because yeah, they're working, even yeah. if they're submissive, like yeah, they paid me for a process mm-hmm. and like, you know, I have power over them because like I have the key to this. And it's like, you know, I I've, I've yeah. become friends with clients and that's become more comfortable for me in terms of like, oh, you can be my client, but like we can also be friends and enjoy time together that's like nice and fun. But like I I just think it's so hard when it's already sexual anyway, but I'm not yeah. saying like forever and always a hard line, but like probably not the best idea, you know, because it, it just ends up not being that unless, you know, yeah. What question? <laughs> this is a, does anything catch you off guard anymore? That hmm. the things that people want. Have you ever and not yeah. in a not in a yuck their yums mm-hmm. kind of way, mm-hmm. but you just like, oh, I've never, do- I've like, never done new. that or anything yeah. like that, or maybe things that were that years ago. I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to surprise me these days. You know, um, I'm Same. trying to think of something. I guess I'm just really surprised. Like, you know, I guess my level of like surprise is like if a guy like um, actually does all the things he says he's going to do and comes up and gives you money. Like, I think that's like my surprise. Like, because I don't doubt that people have fantasies and they're interesting and dynamic to them. But I think there's just such a flake factor and such a nervous factor that like you know some guy will talk to me about something for a long time and I say, oh, that's great. Like, let's do this. And it's like okay, well, like, let's see if you actually show up and come through on this, you know, Mm. but some, you know, most of the time they do, you know, I've had a client who has like a pretty elaborate, like three dom fantasy with like a lot of like electro play and single tail and like food play and humiliation and all this stuff. And Talk about omakase. Yeah, no, like literally everything. (laughs) That's a shirashi bowl. Yeah, yeah, no, that's everything. So, um, you know, but he like, you know, shows up and happens and, and it's like, oh, okay. That's great, you know, so, um, but yeah, it's hard to say if anything like really surprises me anymore, so. Without like giving away confidential info, like can you give us an array um, of some some of the things that people want? Oh, yeah, Um, definitely. I mean, I think like the most common things are, you know, foot fetish. And so uh, when they say, I want a foot fetish, like what do... Like what happens in a sesh? Um, basically, they're they're worshiping my feet, so that would be things like kissing. Yeah, they're they're freshly done. Here we go. It's like oh, Ooh, little Valentino sandals. Pink. They do look very nice. Thank you. Such Thank pretty you. feet. Thank you. Um, so, um, you know, worshiping my feet, things like that. And they're um, like, oh, Justine, I love your feet. Yes, they love them. Oh, mistress. Yeah. Sorry, I mistress. You. I love your feet. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Do, are they allowed to touch them? Do you want to touch them? No, no, no. I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> you said, are we allowed to touch no, I them? I said, are they allowed? Oh. Did I? I don't Did know. 
I play, heard we'll we, play it back. <laughs> play back the like, yup. Yeah, all right. So, like I said, I have your number. Anyway, um, but like, or I know you have my number. Are they allowed to touch them? Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. You're allowed to touch my feet and like, you know, kiss them and massage them and, um, you know, put them on, you know, your, your face. face and stuff like that. Um, uh, corporal punishment. So that would just be, you know, beating, like flogging, paddling, stuff like that. A lot of bondage things. Um you know, I'm trying to think of things that have happened recently. And also, you know, things like a leather latex worship. Like I had a client who just wanted me to wear all latex and just kind of lube me up and massage me. And he said, is this weird? Is this okay? And I said, yeah, this is totally fine. And we That just sounds had... like a preferred session for me. I'm like, I'm just going <laughs> to lay here and you're going to massage me. And, and, yeah, and then you sounds, pay me. And then you yeah, pay me. Yeah, it sounds good. But for some people, like they don't like having that kind of session because they want to be more active and they or they want to be like very sadistic, you know, yeah. of which I am. But I also enjoyed this. And we just had like a lovely like, you know, afternoon or evening together where he was just you know, massaging me in this latex and we were just talking about latex and travel. And he's like, that was so lovely. Thank you. And I think that's the other thing too, is that I'm not just skilled in this way about BDSM, but I'm also able human. to carry, yeah, human and able to carry on a conversation. I think that's really helpful for people. They're like, oh, you're a real person too. And I'm like, yeah, we're both real people. We're just going to do some fucked up shit right now, you know? So Some awesome shit. Yeah, some awesome shit, yeah. I what it- food stuff do people like? Food stuff, um, you know, I will <laughs> cake sitting. Squashing, <laughs> um, what's squashing? Cake sitting? Yeah. Um, well, I just say cake sitting because it was uh, my best friend, Mistress Aaron's birthday over the weekend, so I made her sit in a cake. Um, really, was more for me than for her. <laughs> Like just a plunk, yeah, just a cake, yeah. Well, sounds no, like a yeast infection. Waiting. Oh no, no, no. She was wearing latex, and oh, okay, you know, okay, yeah, okay, no, no, cool. no, 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 no. I mean, you could do it, you know, just on the cake. I, I naked. I personally wouldn't, but you know, she no, but she did like a whole little dance. I'll show you the video later. She was like a whole little cute dance and like stepped on on the cake, and that was fun. But um, some splashing stuff or like humiliating, like eating food, like um, you know, dog food and stuff like that. Or like sometimes, like I have clients who want to go out to dinner with me, and sometimes it's like. More like a, they just want to have a dinner companion and, and converse huh. kind of thing. But some people want to bring the scene into the dinner. So it's like, you know, I'll do things like I order for them and, you know, might order them something really terrible or crappy. Would you or, like you make know, them their steak well done? That's yeah. really sadistic. Yeah. Well, I had a client who we... That's um, real fucked up. I That's forgot. what my mom used to do for me. I really. That's and cut up. it up for you. Yo, uh, well yeah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> I, had a client. I just like to give the cow a good kick in the behind. That's all I need. <laughs> just breathe fire into its ear. Basically. <laughs> um, I had a client who was like a very um, uh, well-to-do uh, German and we went out to this like fancy restaurant and I ordered like very expensive wine for myself and ordered him like the cheapest, like shittiest, like white <laughs> Zinfandel. And he was like, that <gasps> was just so, so I know. And he was like, that was so good. He's like, oh, I forgot what I ordered food-wise for him. Probably like a salad or something like vegetarian. Yeah, like something silly. And he was just, yeah, like something like that. And he was like, oh man, that was real. Oh, that was good. You know, and then we had like other, we did other stuff and I just dominated him the whole time. And he was like, that was amazing, but really fucked up. You know, anyway. Oh my God, whites and fidelity. Even worse than well done steak. Where do you think that food dom desire comes from? Well, he didn't really want to be dom through food. I was just doing it because I was a bitch and he took me out to lunch, you know? He wasn't, (laughs) he was like, you can do whatever you want. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to order for you. And he's like, okay, you know, and and I'm like, all right, well, he's paying for it and like kind of that things, but it's like um, food domination. I don't know. I like dominating (laughs) people with food and ordering for them always. So that's that's fun for me because I I just, you know, yeah. I could do the doming of that, but I could not have someone order for me. I'm very particular. Not particular, just like excited. (laughs) 
I mean, it sounds like you've had a lot of great experiences, and I'm wondering if there's ever any times where you have had safety issues. Um, oh, yeah. For, you know, you not that you're not a strong person who can't oh. take care of herself, but like, mm-hmm. have there been times where you worried about that, and how do you maintain your own safety in sessions? Um, yeah, for the really, I've been very lucky, like, knock on wood. <laughs> but um, I, I really have, um, I've really had like, not really any safety concerns like because it's like I'm screening clients and it's like um you know being a very visible person um you know in terms of like social media and like you know someone always knows where I am it's like if you are going to harm a sex worker it's most likely not going to be me and also you're most likely if like you know you see that this person is like in incredibly good shape and like kicking ass every single day in the gym and in the dungeon you're not going to be like i'm going to go take the dominatrix down today you know like that's not usually like unfortunately like if you're going to hurt someone it's going to be someone who's like easily missed like a mar- more marginalized person so um i feel pretty safe like if i'm you know i'm scheduling something at my dungeon like you know 30 people have access to that calendar, including my slave, who's very concerned about my safety. And, you know, if I'm coming late home from the dungeon, he always makes sure that I'm okay. Like I call him or I text him when I get home and I do that anyway. Or if I'm doing something like an out call, I have a safety check with someone and I always tell someone, this is where I am. This is when I'm going to be done. Like, I don't think anything's going to go wrong, but like, hey, the search starts here, you know, like that kind of deal. And it's like, again, like I've really never had an issue The one time I had an issue with someone was like, I knew that they were a very bad drug addict and I shouldn't have really entered into that situation. But again, nothing happened, but it could have went really bad. It could have like that. I'm saving that one for the memoir, but it was like, it could have went really bad. And I definitely put myself in an unsafe situation, but I definitely had the agency to not do that. And I definitely had to have a hard talk with myself after that. And I was like, I should have not done that. Why did I do that? I should not have done that, but I was safe and I was fine. But you know, again, like I have safety checks. I have like, you know, a partner and like, you know, a slave and friends and family who are very like much know what I do. I'm visible. I feel pretty safe on a general basis. So, I mean, honestly, like, you know, like I used to uh, be with someone who worked at um, USC. Um, USC is probably a lot more dangerous than my dungeon. There's like active yeah. shootings and robberies and things yeah. like that happening there versus like, the dungeon, you know, or like my neighborhood or something. Mm-hmm. And so that's just like, where do you feel safe? Like there was just a holdup in Trader Joe's, like, yeah, you Silver know, Lake. Silver Lake. So it's like, what's the relative safety here or like just any mass shooting, unfortunately. So it's like, that's not happening at the studio. So, yeah. And it sounds You're, like you also acknowledge your own um, visibility and power and like privilege that you hold in having oh. these spaces and that there are, of yes. course, other marginalized sex workers that mm-hmm. don't have that. And with mm-hmm. things like SESTA-FOSTA, yes. Um, yes. it's making it more difficult to offer safe, safe things for all sex workers. For sure. Exactly. For sure. So you are, I would say... Wildly successful in your field. Oh, thank you. Like you're, you're doing these businesses. <laughs> I <would too. laughs> yeah. I mean, and yes, fucking own it. So <laughs> it seems things seem to be going pretty great for you. Yeah, they are. Do you face or have you ever experienced stigma because of what you're doing? Like, is there any shit that comes with all this gold? Like landlords complaining? (laughs) Well, you know, like someone is always going to complain about something. Um, No, I'm pretty, I am really, really lucky in the ways that like, um, you know, my friends um, who some of them are in like the kink community, like, 
you know, already or I've gotten more into it because of me, <laughs> like, are very much, like, known of what I do. My parents, like, are supportive and know what I do, um, you know, and my partners, like, wow. know what I do. Um, and, you know, my sort of, like, requirement now for a partner in my life is, like, you have to be, like, 1,000% supportive of what I do and what I'm doing because I'm not stopping this. This is what I do. This is my career. This is my my business. Um, so that's good. Um, I think what I've sort of been confronted with recently is, like, um, sort of actually how easy I have it in terms of like that I can talk to my parents about business, like not in like a, I just kick someone in the balls today kind of way, but like, an, oh, I was in Los Angeles Magazine or here's my dungeon, it's going really well and I can talk to them about it. And not only that, like, you know, my social strata, like even my, one of my oldest friends, like I was staying with her mom over the summer and I was telling her like, oh, I'm going to go to work today and like, meaning like, I'm going to go to the dungeon. Now, like, I don't think she really knows what I do there <laughs> or what that means, but she's like, oh, okay, great. Like, have a good time like working and like, here's I'll lunch. catch you later. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, yeah, here's your lunch. And, she, and I was like, oh man, I, you know, this client canceled and I'm really upset and she was really sympathetic and it's really nice and amazing and like, again, privilege that I can have those kinds of conversations mm. with people. And I'm sort of being confronted with like now that like, not everyone is as down with that. Um, and, you know, meeting other people or like other parents, like not being able to have those like open conversations, but it's like my deal or like my stance is like dominate your parents, <laughs> like dominate your friend circle, like just make everyone get down with this because yeah. like this is like who you real. Are. This is who I am. This is, I'm very much not in the closet as being queer or being a sex worker and everyone knows this about me. And it's like, the more we normalize these things like sexuality or sexual orientation or gender presentation, the more that we can do for people who who are in a position of power, who are privileged as, as I am, mm-hmm. that like the more we can normalize this for other people who might not have the power or privilege to come out of the closet or who might not be able to you know, express their sexuality or sexual orientation or gender presentation the way that they want, you're going to make it so much easier for those other people. And it's just like, this is like what I feel very strongly about, like what I have to do and like what other people need to do too and get on board with this, where it's like, it's very uncomfortable for me right now where I've been bitching about SESTA-FOSTA for like the last few months where it's like, oh, all of a sudden me and all my colleagues and a lot of my friends, like our livelihoods are now considered a federal crime. And that fucking sucks. And are you of, placed in that too with oh, the work yeah, that definitely. you do? Yeah, no, everything. Every, we're all going down together. <laughs> so, um, you know, like it, all of that is happening among like a lot of other, unfortunately, very shitty things that are also happening. Like, you know, I'm seeing things like, you know, the keep families together. Like, of course we want that. Like we don't want people getting split up at the border and like this all of this is like a total shit show. But it fucking sucks for me when I see like other people posting stuff about keep families together. And I'm like, oh really? But like when I told you about SESTA-FOSTA, we didn't want to talk about that because Mm -hmm. like that's too radical for you. But like this is actually also doing things to break families apart. Mm -hmm. You don't care about like how there's like this, you know, really scary intersectionality of like basically the hashtag of keep families together and where are the girls and, you know, what's happened to them and people are getting trafficked and, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, children are getting taken and disappearing and like all of these things. And it's like this this all comes down to, you know, um, sex worker rights and these things. And it, it's like uncomfortable for me that people don't care about this also. Yeah. Because we're here and we're doing this work and I'm protesting and marching with everybody else too for all these other issues. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. it's not fair and it, it sucks. 
Sex workers always show up, and people don't always show up for sex workers. It's yeah, real, that's so true. It's like, you know, message. everyone I know does not like Trump. Who do you? Stormy Daniels is like every single day yeah, taking his ass down. And it's like, you know, what no one else seems to be able to do, like she seems to be doing a pretty good job of like making this, you know, go down hard. And it's like, that's not fair. It's like, you know, we, st- and even in terms of like queer, you know, more of my, um, most of my friend group is in the GLBTQ communities and they're very politically aware and active and stuff. And it's like, you know, we know like how, you know, uh, um, gay right, the gay right movement started. It was like, you know, a tr- black trans woman mm-hmm. like threw a brick and it's yeah. like she was also a sex worker. It's like, you're welcome, you know? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, these things are just, it's still like, I'm still finding like, it's surprising that it's like, oh, this is still too radical because I do live in this bubble of like everyone that I know is on the same page of me with me with these things and talking to people that are like, what? What's a sex worker? What do you do? What do you mean? And it's like, what? Like, what have you been doing? (laughs) Well, we're so grateful that you take the time to come and your time, your labor to come and teach us and tell us about what you do. I'm sure our listeners are also equally grateful and want to be able to find out what you're doing and and how they can hire you or see or just look at your Instagram. Um, <laughs> how can they do that? Admire your feet. Admire my feet. Yeah. Um, well, you can find my website is losangelesdominatrix.com. Yeah, what a brilliant website name. I'm oh, just saying. Search yeah. engine optimization. Yeah. yeah, I got it on that. I was like the first doing See, all that. See, a good so, businesswoman. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I had a lot of friends who helped me in the beginning and, you know, helped me like sort of get me started and I took it away. So um, if you want to check out the dungeons, you can find Dungeon West at dungeonwest.com. You can find Dungeon East at dtladungeon.com. If you want to stalk me on Instagram in a nice friendly way, <laughs> you can find me at the Justine Cross. Well, again, if you want to follow what we're doing, uh, we don't have any foot pictures up right now, but you can... <laughs> if you ask, maybe we'll be nice. Maybe. Uh, you can find us... After on, I get my toes done. Yes, yeah. after, after the pedicure. On Sluts and Scholars um, on Instagram, Slut Scholars on Twitter, and we love receiving your emails at slutsandscholars at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you for having me.